0: Chapter 2. The Mail Coach The two shouting men shoved Rashid and Haroon into the back seat of a beaten-up car with torn scarlet seats. And even though the car's cheap radio is playing movie music at top volume, the shouting men went on shouting about the unreliability of storytellers all the way to the rusting iron gates of the bus depot. Here Haroon and Rashid were dumped out of the car without ceremony or farewell. Expenses of the journey? Rashid hopefully inquired, but the shouting men shouted, "'More cash demands! Cheek! Cheek of the chappy!' and drove away at high speed, forcing dogs and cows and women with baskets of fruit on their heads to dive out of the way. Loud music and rude words continued to pour out of the car as it zigzagged away into the distance. Rashid didn't even bother to shake his fist. Harun followed him toward the ticket office, across a dusty courtyard with walls covered in strange warnings— if you try to rush or zoom, you are sure to meet your doom, was one of them. And all the dangerous overtakers end up safe at Undertakers, was another. And also, look out, slow down, don't be funny, life is precious, cars cost money. There should be one about not shouting at the passengers in the back seat, Haroon muttered. Rashid went to buy a ticket. There was a wrestling match at the ticket window instead of a queue because everyone wanted to be first, and as most people were carrying chickens or children or other bulky items, the result was a free-for-all, out of which feathers and toys and dislodged hats kept flying, and from time to time some dizzy fellow with ripped clothes would burst out of the melee triumphantly, waving a little scrap of paper. His ticket. Rashid, taking a deep breath, dived into the scrum. Meanwhile, in the courtyard of the buses, small dust clouds were rushing back and forth like little desert whirlwinds. Haroon realized that these clouds were full of human beings. There were simply too many passengers at the bus depot to fit into the available buses, and anyhow, nobody knew which bus was leaving first, which made it possible for the drivers to play a mischievous game. One driver would start his engine, adjust his mirrors, and behave as if he were about to leave. At once, a bunch of passengers would gather up their suitcases and bedrolls and parrots and transistor radios and rush towards him. Then he'd switch off his engine with an innocent smile, while on the far side of the courtyard, a different bus would start up and the passengers would start running all over again. "'It's not fair,' Harun said aloud. "'Correct,' a booming voice behind him answered. "'But, but, but, you'll admit it's too much fun to watch.'" The owner of this voice turned out to be an enormous fellow with a great quiff of hair standing straight up on his head like a parrot's crest. His face, too, was extremely hairy, and the thought popped into Harun's mind that all this hair was, well, somehow feather-like. Ridiculous idea, he told himself. What on earth made me think of a thing like that? It's just plain nonsense, as anyone can see." Just then, two separate dust clouds of scurrying passengers collided in an explosion of umbrellas and milk churns and rope sandals. And Haroon, without meaning to, began to laugh. You're a tip-top type, boomed the fellow with the feathery hair. You see the funny side. An accident is truly a sad and cruel thing. But, 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 crash! Wham! Spatoosh! How it makes one giggle and hoot! Here the giant stood and bowed, at your service, he said, my good name is Button, driver of the number one Super Express mail coach to the Valley of K.
1: Okay, Mr. Doyle, the middle school boy in me is coming out right now because I'm going to be really distracted by you saying butt, butt, butt all the time.
0: Well, try not to be too distracted by it because when we read the background information about Rushdie, I seem to recall that his mother's last name was Butt, so that is a family name, and I think that anytime we see a character whose name is Butt or includes Butt, I'm going to be thinking that that character probably reminds him of someone from his own family. I know it sounds kind of funny, but I know that it's a cheeky name, but <laughs> let's not get distracted by Butt. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, I guess so. I'll give it a try.
0: Okay, great. So here's Butt the mail coach driver. Driver of the number one Super Express mail coach to the Valley of K. Haroon thought he should bow too and my, as you say, good name is haroon. Then he had an idea and added, If you mean what you say about being at my service, then in fact there is something you can do. It was a figure of speech, mister butt replied. But 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 I will stand by it. A figure of speech is a shifty thing. It can be twisted or it can be straight. But butt's a straight man, not a twister. "'What's your wish, my young mister?' Rashid had often told Haroun about the beauty of the road from the town of G to the valley of K, a road that climbed like a serpent through the pass of H toward the tunnel of I, which was also known as J. There was snow by the roadside, and there were fabulous multicolored birds gliding in the gorges. And when the road emerged from the tunnel, Rashid had said— Then the traveler saw before him the most spectacular view on earth, a vista of the Valley of Kay, with its golden fields and silver mountains, and with the dull lake at its heart, a view spread out like a magic carpet, waiting for someone to come and take a ride. No man can be sad who looks upon that sight, Rashid had said, but a blind man's blindness must feel twice as wretched then. So what Harun asked Mr. Butt for was this front row seats in the mail coach, all the way to the dull lake, and a guarantee that the mail coach would pass through the tunnel of I, also known as J, before sunset, because otherwise the whole point would be lost. But, 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 Mr. Butt protested. The hour's already late. Then, seeing Haroon's face begin to fall, he grinned broadly and clapped his hands. But, 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 so what? He shouted. The beautiful view to cheer up the sad dad before sunset. No problem. So when Rashid staggered out of the ticket office, he found Haroon waiting on the steps of the mail coach with the best seats reserved inside and the motor running. The other passengers, who were out of breath from their running, and who were covered in dust, which their sweat was turning to mud, stared at Haroon with a mixture of jealousy and awe. Rashid was impressed too. As I may have mentioned, young Harun Khalifa, more to you than meets the blinking eye.
1: Oh, this is the line we heard before. So is that an important line that you think we should commit to memory? I'm thinking two chapters, two mentions. I should probably remember that.
0: I am in complete agreement. So where were we? Ah. Yahoo! Yelled Mr. Butt, who was as excitable as any mail service employee. Varoom, he added, and jammed the accelerator pedal right down against the floor. The mail coach rocketed through the gates of the bus depot, narrowly missing a wall on which Haroon read this. If from speed you get your thrill, take precaution. Make your will. Faster and faster went the mail coach. The passengers started to hoot and howl with excitement and fear. Through village after village, Mr. Butt drove at top speed. Haroon observed that in each village a man carrying a large mailbag would be waiting by the bus stop in the village square, and that this man would look at first confused and then furious as the mail coach roared by him without even slowing down. Haroon could also see that at the rear of the mail coach, there was a special area separated from the passengers by a wire mesh partition that was piled high with mail bags just like those held by the angry, fist-shaking men in the village squares. Mr. Butt had apparently forgotten to deliver or collect the mail. Don't we need to stop for the letters? Haroon finally leaned forward to inquire. At the same time, Rashid the storyteller cried out, Do we need to go so blanking fast? Mr. Butt managed to make the mail coach go even faster. Need to stop? He bellowed over his shoulder. Need to go so quickly? Well, my sirs, I'll tell you this. Need's a slippery snake, that's what it is. The boy here says that you, sir, need a view before sunset. And maybe it's so, and maybe no. And some might say that the boy here needs a mother. And maybe it's so, and maybe no. No. And it's been said of me that butt needs speed. But, 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 it may be that my heart truly needs a different sort of thrill. Oh, needs a funny fish. It makes people untruthful. They all suffer from it. But they will not always admit. Hurrah, he added, pointing. The snow line. Icy patches ahead. Crumbling road surface. Hairpin bends. Danger of avalanches. Full speed ahead. He had simply decided not to stop for the mail in order to keep his promise to Haroon. "'No problem,' he shouted gaily. "'Everybody gets other people's correspondence anyhow in this country of so many too many places and so few too few names.'" The mail coach rushed up into the mountains of M, swinging around terrifying curves with a great squealing of tires. The luggage, which was all tied down on the roof rack, began to shift about in a worrying way. The passengers, who all looked alike now that their perspiration had finished turning the dust that covered them to mud, began to complain. "My hold all!" yelled a mud woman. "Crazy buffalo, looney tune, desist from your speeding, or my possessions will be thrown to kingdom come." "It is we ourselves who will be thrown, madam," a mud man answered sharply. So less noise about your personal items, please. He was interrupted angrily by a second mudman. Have a care. It is my good wife you are insulting. Then a second mudwoman joined in. So what? For so long she's been shouting, shouting in my husband's good ear. So why should not he lodge complaint? See her, the dirty skinny bones. Is she a woman or a muddy stick? See here, this bend, what a tight one, Mr. Butt sang out. Here, two weeks ago, occurred a major disaster. Bus plunged into gully. All persons killed. Sixty, seventy lives minimum. God, too sad. If you desire, I can stop for taking of photographs. Yes, stop, stop, the passengers begged. Anything to make him slow down. But Mr. Butt went even faster instead. Too late, he yodeled gaily. Already it is far behind. Requests must be more promptly made if I am to comply. I did it again, Haroon was thinking. If we crash now, if we're smashed to bits or fried like potato chips in a burning wreck, it'll be my fault this time, too. Now they were high in the mountains of M, and Haroon felt sure that the mail coach was speeding up as they got higher.
1: Um, So they're driving through all these horribly sad, tragic crash sites, but on their way to something beautiful. That kind of reminds me of the idea that you can't really celebrate beauty or notice beauty without the absence of beauty also existing at the same time. Yeah, you, is that sort of like a yin and yang? Yeah, that, that circle with the black and white dots, that's what it's reminding me of.
0: Right, so the whole idea is that you can't have light without darkness, you can't have good without evil, you can't have beauty without ugliness. And that uh, yin and yang concept, while it is uh, most well known as a, a Chinese philosophical concept. It's also very popular in Hinduism. So with that in mind, let's get back to the reading. They were so high that there were clouds in the gorges below them, and the mountainsides were covered in thick, dirty snow, and the passengers were shivering with cold. The only sound to be heard in the mail coach was the chattering of teeth. Everyone had fallen into a scared and frozen silence, while Mr. Butt was concentrating so hard on his high-speed driving that he had even stopped yelling, Yahoo! and pointing out the sights of particularly gruesome accidents. Haroun had the feeling that they were floating on a sea of silence. That a wave of silence was lifting them up, up, up toward the mountaintops. His mouth was dry, and his tongue felt stiff and caked. Rashid couldn't make a sound either, not even, ARK! Any moment now, Haroun was thinking, and he knew that something very similar must be in the mind of each passenger. I'm going to be wiped out like a word on a blackboard, one swoosh of the duster, and I'll be gone for good. Then he saw the cloud. The mail coach was streaking along the side of a narrow ravine. Up ahead, the road swung so sharply to the right that it seemed they must plunge over the edge. Roadside notices warned of the extra danger in words so severe that they no longer rhymed. Drive like hell and you will get there, was one. And also, be dead slow or be dead. Just then, a thick cloud shot through with impossible shifting colors, a cloud from a dream or a nightmare hopped up from the gorge below them and plopped itself down on the road. They hit it just as they went round the bend, and in the sudden darkness Harun heard Butt slamming on the brakes as hard as he could. Noise returned. Screams, the skidding of tires. This is it, Harun thought. And then they were out of the cloud, in a place with smooth walls curving up around them and rows of yellow lights set in the ceiling above. Tunnel, Mr. Butt announced, at the far end, Valley of K. Hours to sunset, one. Time in tunnel? Some minutes only. One view coming up. Like I said, no problem. They came out of the Tunnel of I, and Mr. Butt stopped the mail coach so that everyone could enjoy the sight of the sun setting over the valley of Kay, with its fields of gold, which really grew saffron, and its silver mountains, which were really covered in glistening pure white snow, and its dull lake, which didn't look dull at all. Rashid Khalifa hugged Harun and said, "'Thanks for fixing this up, son. "'But I admit that for some time I thought we were all fixed good and proper. "'I mean, done for. Finito!' Katam should. Katam should. Is that a real word? It is a real Hindustani word. It's another one from the bookmark. So you might want to take note of it because that's going to be a word that we see a lot and we even might see a character later on whose name is Katam should.
1: And what about Dal Lake? Is that a real place?
0: Well, in India, there's actually a lake called the Dal Lake and this lake seems to have some of those traits and qualities. And we talked about how Rushdie is trying to fit references back to Indian culture in this story, and this is really a good example of that. So learn that Hindustani phrase. Katam should. Harun frowned. What was that story you used to tell? Rashid spoke as if he were remembering an old, old dream. Katam should, he said slowly, is the arch enemy of all stories, even of language itself. He's the prince of silence and the foe of speech. And because everything ends, because dreams end, stories end, life ends, at the finish of everything, we use his name. It's finished, we tell one another. It's over. Katam Shud. The end. This place is already doing you good, Harun noted. No more Ark. Your crazy stories are starting to come back. On the way down into the valley, Mr. Butt drove slowly and with extreme caution. But, but, but there is no need for speed now that my service has been performed, he explained to the quivering mud men and mud women, who then all glared furiously at Harun and Rashid. As the light failed, they passed a sign that had originally said, Welcome to Kay," but somebody had daubed it with crude, irregular letters so that now it said, Welcome to Kashmar. What's Kashmar? Harun wanted to know. It's the work of some miscreant... "'shrugged Mr. Butt. "'Not every person in the valley is happy, as you may find. "'It's a word from the ancient tongue of Frange, "'which is no longer spoken in these parts,' Rashid explained. "'In those long-gone days, the valley, which is now simply K, "'had other names. "'One, if I remember correctly, was Kashmir. "'Another was this Kashmar. "'Do those names mean anything?' Harun asked all names mean something, Rashid replied. Let me think. Yes, that was it. Kashmir can be translated as the place that hides a sea, but Kashmar is a ruder name. Come on, urged Harun. You can't stop there. In the old tongue, Rashid admitted, it was the word for nightmare.
1: Here Harun sounds like me asking what all these names mean. And Rashid sounds like me, saying that all names
0: mean something because in this book, well, just like in life, names all are super important. Kashmar, that
1: reminds me of Kashmir. Yeah, isn't that a really beautiful place in India?
0: Yeah, and here it's a really beautiful place where they're trying to get to so that they can take in a scenic view. Oh. Yeah, so getting back to the mail coach. It was dark when the mail coach arrived at the bus depot in K. Haroon thanked Mr. Butt and said goodbye. But, 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 I will be here to escort you home, he replied. Best seats will be kept, no question. Come when you're ready. I will be ready. Then we'll go. Varoom, no problem. Haroon had been afraid that more shouting men would be waiting for Rashid here, but Kay was a remote place, and news of the storyteller's disastrous performance at the town of G had not traveled as fast as Mr. Butt's mail coach. So they were greeted by the boss himself, the top man in the ruling party of the valley, the candidate in the forthcoming elections, on whose behalf Rashid had agreed to appear. This boss was a fellow so shiny-faced and smooth, dressed in white bush shirt in trousers so starchy clean and neat that the scruffy little mustache straggling over his upper lip seemed to have been borrowed from someone else. It was far too tawdry for a gent as slick as this. The slick gent greeted Rashid with a movie star smile whose insincerity made Haroon feel ill. "'Esteemed Mr. Rashid,' he said, "'in honor for us. A legend comes to town.'" If Rashid were to flop in the Valley of K, the way he had in the town of G, Harun thought, this gent would soon change his tune. But Rashid looked pleased by the flattery, and anything that cheered him up was worth putting up with for the present. The name, the slick gent said, inclining his head slightly and clicking his heels together, is but two.
1: Okay, so we have another butt, and this time he's snooty? Yeah, we have another butt. This is Butt
0: two. And like I said before, I wonder if maybe this character has some sort of characteristics in common with a a family member of Rushdie's. Okay. So let's spin it back. The name, the slick gent said, inclining his head slightly and clicking his heels together, is but two, almost the same as the mail coach driver, Harun exclaimed. And the slick gent with the ratty mustache threw up his hands in horror Not at all the same as any bus driver, he shrieked. Suffering Moses, do you know to whom you speak? Do I look the bus driver type? Well, excuse me, Haroon began, but Mr. Batu was marching away, nose in air. Respected Mr. Rashid to the lakeside, he commanded over his shoulder. Bearers will bring your bags. During the five-minute walk to the shore of the dull lake, Haroon began to feel distinctly uneasy. Mr. Batu and his party which now included Rashid and Harun, were permanently surrounded by exactly 101 heavily armed soldiers, and such ordinary people as Harun noticed on the street wore extremely hostile expressions. There's a bad feeling in this town, he told himself. If you live in a sad city, you know unhappiness when you run into it. You can smell it on the night air, when the fumes of cars and trucks have faded away and the moon makes everything look clearer. Rashid had come to the valley because he remembered it as the most joyful of places, but it was plain that trouble had found its way up here now. How popular can this Batu be if he needs all these soldiers to protect him? Harun wondered. He tried to whisper to Rashid that perhaps the slick gent with the face fuzz wasn't the right fellow to support in the election campaign. But there were always too many soldiers within earshot. And then they reached the lake. Waiting for them was a boat in the shape of a swan. Nothing but the best for a distinguished Mr. Rashid, crooned snooty Mr. too. Tonight you stay in the finest houseboat on the lake as my guest. I trust it will not prove too humble for a grandee as exalted as you. He sounded polite, but he was really being insulting, Harun understood. Why did Rashid put up with it? Harun climbed into the swan boat, feeling irritated. Oarsmen in army uniform began to row. Harun looked down into the water of the dull lake. It seemed to be full of strange currents, crisscrossing in intricate patterns. Then the swan boat passed what looked like a flying carpet floating on the water's surface. "'Floating garden,' Rashid told Harun. "'You weave lotus roots together to make the carpet, and then you can grow vegetables right here on the lake.' His voice had a melancholy ring again, so Harun murmured, "'Don't be sad.' "'Sad? Unhappy?' yelped Snooty Batu. Surely eminent Mr. Rashid is not dissatisfied with the arrangements. Rashid the storyteller had always been incapable of inventing stories about himself, so he answered truthfully, Sir, not so. This is an affair of the heart. Why did you tell him that? Harun thought fiercely, but Snooty Buttu was delighted by the revelation. Not to worry, unique Mr. Rashid, he cried tactlessly. She may have left you, but there are plenty more fish in the sea. Fish? Hurun thought in a rage. Did he say fish? Was his mother a pomfret? Must she now be compared to a glumfish or a shark? Really, Rashid should bop this butt too right on his stuck-up nose.
1: So plenty more fish in the sea, that sounds like something my mom would have said to me when I broke up with my high school boyfriend. But they're talking about Haroon's mom here, and he seems to be really angry about it.
0: Yeah, and do you think that that's fair? I mean, it's a pretty common saying, right?
1: I guess, but maybe he's hypersensitive to the loss of his mom.
0: The way that it's presented here, though, it kind of stands out. And I wonder if maybe we'll see it later on in the story again.
1: I'll pay attention.
0: Excellent. So let's pick up from the point where Rashid is told that there are plenty more fish in the sea. The storyteller trailed a hand listlessly in the waters of the Dull Lake. "'Ah, but you must go a long, long way to find an angelfish,' he sighed. As if in response to his words, the weather changed. A hot wind began to blow, and a mist rushed at them across the water. The next thing they knew, they could see nothing at all. "'Never mind the angelfish,' Harun thought. "'I can't even, just at the moment, find the tip of my nose.' Boom. So you may remember that at the end of every chapter, we like to give you our HLC takeaways. This is
1: my favorite, favorite part. But, but, but I think I have three this time.
0: (laughs) What do you have? What are your three takeaways for this chapter?
1: Well, I think the big one is that names are important. So clearly he's choosing these names of places, of people, uh, because they mean something to him. So now I know I'm really going to pay attention to the names. Okay,
0: good. For takeaway number two, I think that all the echoes of Indian culture are super important. The Doe Lake, the Kashmir references, be on the lookout for those because they they help ground his story in Indian culture.
1: And I think uh, clearly family history has a, is playing a big role here. So I got a little bit silly when you were reading about the butts. But, however, it sounds like he wouldn't have chosen those names if they didn't matter to him.
0: All right. I like it. I like it. Arch, killer job as usual. Students, I hope that you took note. Peace. Peace.